book is so awesome. I can do anything. This book is so awesome. I am the potions king. Did you hear that half book prince? I said I was the king. Can you hear me, Professor Snape? I can make anything. This book is so awesome. Hi, my name is Joel Watson. And I'm Lily Watson. And you're listening to Potter and Daughter, the Harry Potter podcast where I talk to my seven-year-old daughter as we read through the, or rather as she reads through, the Harry Potter book series. I've already read it, and it was many years ago. She's currently reading it, and so we're getting our uh, contrasting perspectives on my age-addled memory of books I once read and her youthful exuberance for books that she's reading now. (laughs) This is uh, the beginning of Harry Potter book three. What's it called? The Prisoner of Azkaban. The Prisoner of Azkaban. And uh, the only thing we know about Azkaban right now before starting this book is that it is a prison and that they... Very bad wizard prison. It's for bad wizards. And they sent Hagrid there briefly in the last book. But we didn't really get any details about why it was so bad. I just assumed in book two that it was, you know, stone walls and iron bars. But we we pretty quickly find out that Azkaban is much worse than a regular prison, right? Yes. That way they can't, like, just magic open the bars or something. Yeah, it seems like a wizard would have a pretty easy time of escaping a muggle prison, right? Yeah. So like, They could, like, just take their wand and, um, and, like... Um, well, they could probably just apparate out of there. Oh, yeah, if if they're old enough. Or they could reducto or... Reducto? Reducto. That's the uh, explosion spell. Oh, that that's that's what I was trying to um, think of. Okay. There's also Reparo, I think. And they wouldn't want to repair the prison. So <laughs> we're starting with Chapter 1, Owl Post. Uh, Harry's back at the Dursleys, his favorite place in the whole world, right? Yeah. He's reading... Of course it's not... <laughs> He doesn't like being there. He's reading no. a history he's reading a history of magic, so he's doing some sort of over the summer break uh schoolwork and he's supposed to write an essay uh for school, but something has happened with his books and his school supplies. Do you remember? They get locked under the stairs, I think. Yeah, see Harry's got a room now. He's in Dudley's second bedroom instead of living under the stairs. But the Dursleys have locked up all of his magic supplies. Wasn't wasn't it like that in the last book? Hmm. I don't know if he was already in a bedroom by then. He might have he been. He was. So it was just the first book where he was under the stairs? I think so. Okay. Well, anyway. He, he, he probably hadn't brought home all this stuff between the first and second year. This year, he's really into his schoolwork now. He's, he's, got, his, uh, you know, he's got his wand and his cauldron and his books... And all this other jazz. And they've, they're have they trying to stifle all the magic out of his life. And so they have taken the things he needs. But he's got schoolwork to do. So do you know what he does? He hide While the Dursleys aren't looking, he takes out some stuff that he needs to work on. And there's a loose floorboard and under his bed, and he hides it all under there. Yeah, so he's got he's got to sneak he's got to sneak his books away. Um, he gets at least one spell book back because he has to do an essay about shrinking potions, and uh, which which is kind of funny because uh, normally a normal kid 
wouldn't have to hide homework from their parents, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you wouldn't be sneaking around doing homework. You would be encouraged to do your homework, probably. Yes. Okay, so his situation's obviously not ideal. And uh, then Harry realizes it's his birthday, and he gets three visitors. Do you remember who they are? Three visitors of the flapping flying variety. Flapping who a what? <laughs> owls. Oh. <laughs> what owls come to visit Harry on his birthday? Is, is it, um, is it Errol? Errol. He- and, of, and of course Hedwig. Hegwood. Um. He- Hegwood. <laughs> no, not Hegwood. Maybe that's Hedwig's brother. So Errol, not Hegwood. And a new owl that Harry doesn't know. Harry gets a letter from Ron that has some very interesting information about the Weasley family. What's the deal with the Weasleys this summer? They've Something very special has happened to them. Um, I think they... Like, won a lot of money and spent it to a trip um, in Egypt. Yeah, they they won this uh, grand prize galleon draw, which I guess is kind of like a lottery of some kind. Um, Why is this particularly a big deal for the Weasley family? Because um, they don't have very much money and they're um, pretty poor. Yeah, even in the wizarding world, you got to pay for stuff. Um, Even though you can, you know magic yourself around so maybe you don't have to pay too much for gas or cars you still gotta pay for your home and your food and your clothes I don't even think you have to have cars of course not <laughs> why would you so just that you don't so they've got they've got expenses though and a lot of kids a lot of mouths to feed and not a lot of money they got they got seven ki- kids but two of them are working. And it's safe to assume that since all of them are going to Hogwarts, and Hogwarts is probably the best wizarding school in the world, it's probably pretty expensive. Yeah. I would imagine, and this is something I don't know if it's ever touched on in the books, but I feel like one of the main reasons the Weasleys are so poor is that they're sending all of their kids to Hogwarts. So they want better for their kids than perhaps they have for themselves. I mean, you know... One of them's already got a better job than than Mr. Weasley in terms of money and status. So, so anyway. Wait, it is um, one of the first two brothers still at Hogwarts. Like, mm, like Percy is there because in the letter, Ron says that Percy made head boy. Yes, Percy's there. I know that. Charlie is gone. Charlie works gone. with dragons. And Bill. Bill's gone. Uh, Bill. <sighs> Does Bill have a job at the ministry? I can't remember. So, anyway, uh, yeah, they win this big prize money uh, package, and they take a trip to Egypt, and Ron has sent uh, a Daily Prophet clipping all about their adventure for for Harry to check out. Oh, oh, that's right. Bill is a curse breaker at Gringotts Bank in Egypt. I'm guessing that a curse breaker for the most powerful wizard bank probably makes a bit more money than the uh, low-level wizard government employee that his dad is. So, uh, so again, maybe that's their plan, and maybe it's paying off. Their kids are already more prosperous than they are. Their sacrifices are allowing their children to have, you know, possibly uh, easier lives, which is something most parents want. So uh, Ron sent that letter, and uh, he asked Harry to meet him up uh, at London, uh, next week, and so he's got to figure out a way to get there. 
And then he also has a pocket sneakoscope, which looks like a spinning top. What's a sneakoscope? It notifies the user that something is happening. Oh, yes. Someone untrustworthy is near. Correct. So there might be a liar or a thief or something bad going on. Seems like a good thing to have. Every time they introduce a item like this, it makes me think everyone should have this all the time. Like, <laughs> why, why would adults not have sneakoscopes all the time to know if someone's lying to them? Especially, um, like, especially if Voldemort was better at Slater House. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Hedwig, uh... Would have been with Harry, but had we went to get something and bring it back to Harry. Do you remember who he went to get it from? Oh, wasn't it from Hermione? Yeah, he went to get it. Hermione's on vacation in France. So Hedwig flew all the way to France, got a present, brought it all the way back to Harry, knew it was his birthday. Hedwig was pretty... Hed, Hegwood. Hegwig's pretty... <laughs> Hedwig is pretty smart. Do you remember what Hermione's present was for Harry? Wasn't it a bunch of books? It was a broomstick servicing kit. Oh. Uh, so kind of like a maintenance kit. And then a book for uh, do-it-yourself broom care. And then Hagrid, with this other owl, this third random owl that we don't know, sent... Uh, some books. Do you remember it was a very, very special, very freaky book that he got from Hagrid? Wasn't it the Monster Book of Monsters? Monster Book of Monsters. What is the deal with the Monster Book of Monsters? It's not just a book. It's obviously magic, and it's actually it actually acts like a monster because it tries, it rips up its own pages and it tries to eat whatever it sees. It's got teeth. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's a book that is a monster. That's that's why um, they, in the stores, they put them in cages. Yeah, I don't think Harry got his with a cage. And then uh, he also got a letter from Professor McGonagall uh, that said the new school year would be beginning and that third years are permitted to visit... Hogsmeade. Hogsmeade. What's Hogsmeade? It's the town near Hogs... Um, <laughs> Hogswort. Hogswort, <laughs> where Hegwood lives. Right? Yeah. So what's Hogsmeade? <laughs> it's a little village near Hogswort. <laughs> and it has a bunch of stops um, that's, that sell a bunch of really cool stuff. Yeah, a bunch of shops. It's basically a shopping village. Um, so there's... That sells magical stuff. Yeah, there's, there's inns, there's... Uh, pubs, there's stores, there's, uh, you know, just, it's Bars. sort of, yeah, it's a pub, but yeah, oh. it's a fun, it's a fun place to visit for the whole family, I suppose, and it's not that far from Hogwarts, it seems like it's in within, within walking distance, right? Yeah. So, uh, chapter two, oh, you, but how do you get there? How do, what does Harry have to do to get there? Get where? How, what does he have to do to get permission to go to Hogsmeade? Um, a parent or a guardian has to sign a permission slip. E. That's going to be tough with the Dursleys, right? Yeah. They don't want Harry to have fun. So Never. Chapter two, Aunt Marge's big mistake. Uh, they're having breakfast at the D uh, Dursley household, and they're watching uh, Dudley's new television, which he got, and Harry hears a news report. What does he hear? 
he hears that um, Sirius Black is um, has escaped from Azkaban. And this is confusing to me. Uh, I don't understand why this is on the Muggle News. I don't yeah, understand why the Muggle News can even mention Azkaban Prison. Aren't they supposed to, like, limit all magic stuff? Well, from- the Muggle Prime Minister uh, and the Minister of Magic, I know they cooperate when really bad stuff happens. And so the best thing I can figure is that the, the Minister for Magic met with the Muggle Prime Minister and said, this guy's bad news, you gotta tell everybody. We, we, he could kill Muggles, he could kill Wizards, he's a mass murderer, so you gotta put this on the regular news, and, uh, and that's what they did. Maybe they didn't mention Azkaban, maybe Wait, they just said he escaped. Maybe, he's, maybe they said he escaped from prison or something? Yeah, and I think their goal was to get his picture out there so that everybody could see him, but that is unusual. Which probably means it was a very serious uh, thing that this guy did to get into prison. Aunt Marge comes to visit, and she is uh, certainly not a pleasant lady, right? No. She's got a grudge against Harry. She's very opinionated. She's very rude. Just like the rest of the Dursleys. She's almost, I'd say in some ways, worse than Uncle Vernon, right? Yes. And that that makes sense because um, that's... Um, Vernon's sister, I believe. Yeah, so they were raised by the same cruel, horrible people. They turned out cruel and horrible themselves. Um, Harry wants to get his permission slip signed. It's the only thing he cares about at this point. And Uncle Vernon gives him some gives him some requirements for when Aunt Marge visits. What are his requirements? Um, to stick with the story that he. Um, that he goes to um, a, um, a school called a... St. Brutus's Secure Center for Incurably, incurably Criminal, criminal Boys. Boys. That is a... <laughs> he couldn't even say, like, he just goes to a different school. He had to make sure that Harry... It said exactly the right well, word. And that it had to be the worst thing. Basically, a prison on his own. Um, which is certainly... Uh, you know, not Harry's situation. So, (laughs) yeah. So they are, uh, so he's like, well, maybe I'll remember to uh, do all that stuff if you sign this permission slip, which he says, he he says he'll think about it. I doubt he's going to think about it. He's not. And uh, Marge has got these dogs. And one of the reasons she hates Harry is because one time Harry stepped on the dog's paw and it chased him up a tree and she let it keep him in the tree until midnight. Very cruel. So we know that she's not a nice lady. Um, Harry, yeah, the next day, this is, this is going on for a few days, uh, she's berating Harry, she's humiliating him. Uh, the next day, uh, he's trying really hard to focus on Hogsmeade and not screwing up this thing with Aunt Marge so that maybe he can go. I think at one point at some it's one dinner. Um, he, they're saying all this bad stuff about, um, um, about like, um, eat, like him or um his parents or, or um what school he went to, and well, but- he and I think he was um thinking about his um book for 
brooms. Yeah, he's trying to he's trying to think about anything to take his mind off of these insults that are being lobbed at him. So he's thinking about his broom care book. He's thinking about his uh, charm to cure reluctant reversers book. The first thing he does when he loses his temper is what happens to her wine glass. It shatters. Yeah, and so she thinks maybe that was something maybe, natural. Yeah, she thought um, maybe it was her because she has a very strong grip. But nope, that was Harry getting mad. And what do we know earlier about when wizards and witches get upset or tense? Um, Something ha- bad happens, like um, something could transport all the way on the other side of the world or... Um, something blows up or breaks. Yeah, when you're not in control of your emotions and you have all this magical power, then it's possible to do something you don't mean to do with very dire consequences. So the second night, so Harry's already blown up this class. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. This is the thing that always confused me. Sure. If that if that rule applies to all wizards and witches, mm-hmm. then. Doesn't it work on the parents? I mean, I, because I've never seen that happen when, um, when like the Weasleys get mad or something. I bet it would be in a wizard household. They would have been taught this from a very young age, and so perhaps they would, or 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 they might even have charms to, you know, limit the power of of young children or or something like that. But uh, in a wizard household, they would be more fit to deal with it. In a muggle household where there happens to be a wizard that they happen to not like very much, uh, any and all magic, they want to hide it. So while he's there, he's not learning anything. He's not being taught. Like a, a, a wizard parent might say, now, Harry, don't get mad. You know you might make something blow up. We have to calm down. Let's go read our spell book or something. <laughs> Uh, they, they just want him to keep it all inside and, and ignore it. Which, which he is, can't do. And it's just not a good way to exercise emotions. Um, he needs to have an outlet. And because he's been bottling it up this whole weekend, finally, when she starts talking trash about his parents and his father, uh, what happens when he finally lets his emotions run wild? He starts, he starts yelling um, at Aunt Marge because... She's, um, I think she said something like they died in a car crash because, um, the person who was driving was drunk or something. Yeah, she, she basically just made up nonsense about Harry's dad that isn't true. Yeah. So what does Harry do? He starts yelling at Marge, um, and he says something like, I don't know, something... Um, but what happens to Marge? She blows up. Yeah, he blows her up like a balloon. With helium. She flies out the window. At least he didn't explode her like a smashed watermelon. <laughs> that might be a bigger problem. Yeah. So he blows her up like a balloon. She flies away. Plus, that would be creepy. That takes us to Chapter 3, The Night Bus. Now, Harry has assumed he knows that underage wizards are bound by the reasonable restriction magic for underage wizards and he is not allowed to do magic at the Dursley's house. So what does he think has happened to him already? What has happened to him with 
regards to going back to school? That... Is he going to be allowed to go back to school? Maybe, maybe not. He assumes he's been expelled. He thinks it's over and done with. Uh, that there is no, there's no way around it. I've been expelled. So, uh, he, so he gathers up his trunk. I'm never going to learn anything again. But he gathers up his trunk and what's he do? He just leaves the house. He he basically threw um abandoned his fa- his terrible family. Yeah, which you know that's the worst. That's the least of his troubles. Most of his troubles is maybe not getting to go back to Hogwarts. So he runs away. He's decided that's it. I'm a wizard on my own. I have no school to return to. I'm 13 years old, and I got to take care of myself. As he leaves. Uh, and he's sort of wandering around, not really sure where he's going to go with his uh, trunk and whatnot. Yeah, after he left, he's like, oh, I'm lost. But he feels kind of eerie. What what makes him, What gives him an eerie feeling? He thinks that something is watching him. Yeah, he does a Lumos spell, and uh, he thinks he sees something. What does he see? He sees... Um, he thinks he sees a giant black dog near um, hiding in the bushes. Yikes. So he trips over his trunk, and then what should arrive but the night bus? What is the night bus? In the book, they said it was a um, um, the size of three buses stacked on top of each other, and it was violently purple. <laughs> this is a very good description. And the interesting thing is they do actually have double-decker buses in the UK. I know. I've, um, I've seen them on, like, TV before. But this is a triple-decker bus, which I don't think is something we really have <laughs> because it wouldn't be able to go under a bridge or in a tunnel or anything. But what is the purpose uh, of the night bus for wizards? To get to other places very quickly. Well, it picks up stranded wizards. So it basically knows when you're out of luck, you got nowhere to go, no way to get there. I think it either just pops up or um, if if you know the night bus exists, you can um, like tap your wand but not say anything like yeah, I think there's a way to call it, but Harry definitely didn't call it. He didn't even know it existed. Right. So who is the conductor of the night bus? I... It's been a while. It's Stan Shunpike. Yes, that's right. I I, I read it in... Um, I read it in the, the book um, about... Two, one or two weeks ago because on my iPad because I was trying to catch up on it because I knew we had to redo it. Okay, so uh, so Stan Shunpike uh, asks who Harry is. He doesn't want the ministry to find him, so what does he say his name is? He's, um, he's, the first name he, um, that pops into his head is Neville Longbottom. So something to remember for later on, much later on, is that when Harry doesn't want Stan Shunpike to know his name, he says Neville Longbottom. There will be a time in the future where Harry doesn't want someone to know his name, and he gives a very different answer. Really? So I want you to remember that. Okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, Stan's got the da- Daily Prophet with a photo of Sirius Black on the Daily Prophet. Uh, it's the same thing he saw on the news report 
at the Dursleys and, you know, it's the Daily Prophet. So the photos are moving and crazy and uh, Sirius Black looks like a bad dude, right? Yeah. Um, what uh, at this point, does Harry learn anything about uh, what what his crime was? I think he's still in the dark about that. Yes. Um, I think I think Stan tells him about it. Yeah, he mentions that, uh, you know, they're doing every the Minister of Magic is doing everything they can to catch Sirius Black. And that uh, this actually is where they mentioned that um, Fudge, Cornelius Fudge, the minister, has been uh, sort of in trouble with the international wizarding governing world because he got the muggles involved. He's a minister? He's the minister of magic. That means like the uh, president of wizards. Who is it again? Cornelius Fudge. Cornelius Fudge. I was thinking of a totally different guy we meet in the next book. So that kind of answers our question about him being on Muggle TV. People thought he shouldn't have done that, but he's reminding them that 12 years ago, uh, Sirius killed 13 people. With one curse. With a single curse. So he's a a pretty bad dude. And uh, he also mentions he was a supporter of... Voldemort. You know who. (laughs) So... Uh, as they get to, uh, well, Harry, Harry's paid to be taken to uh, London because he knows that he's supposed to meet Ron there anyway at some point. He goes to Diagon Alley. Uh, as we know, Diagon Alley is the center of commerce in Wizarding London. And he gets out of the Leaky Cauldron. The, le- the, um, the Leaky Cauldron seems like like a place that's Sort of, how would you say this in a nice way? Um, kind of shady? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. But it's actually a really nice place. It's a nice place. It seems kind of creepy, but it's, 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 a, it's, isn't this where Hagrid took Harry uh, when they first went to Diagon Alley to get books and stuff in book one? Yeah. I think they took a stop off the Leaky Cauldron. Yeah. So anyway, um, so who greets Harry at the Leaky Cauldron as if he's already waiting for him? Cornelius Fudge. Fudge is there. Harry is like, that's it. I'm being arrested. Wait, isn't this, isn't this the third chapter? This is chapter three, yes. Yeah. So uh, Harry thinks he's being arrested. But what happens instead? Um, he meets um, Fudge and Fudge says, uh, I mean, um, Harry sa- says something like, um, aren't you going to arrest me um, and put me in Azkaban or something? And then, since Fudge knows something bad is going to happen to Harry, he he's he's all like, "Oh, we don't put people in prison just for blowing up their ants." Yeah, he he says that the accidental magical reversal committee has taken care of Aunt Marge, they've changed her memory, and Harry kind of stops asking questions. He's just glad to not be in trouble. He, But he understands that this does not make any sense. He should be in trouble, right? Right. Now, Harry doesn't know that he's in trouble, not from the ministry, but, you know, in life. Harry doesn't know that everyone thinks that Sirius is after Harry, and that's why he's escaped. Fudge knows that, so... Obviously, the ministry's trying to protect Harry, right? Yeah. They're uh, they're looking out for him, 
um, as if he's a, a very important person, right? Well, he is. So chapter four, uh, the Leaky Cauldron. And uh, Harry's at the Leaky Cauldron for about two weeks, right? Yeah. Um, he, during this two weeks, he is spending time with just regular witches and wizards that are hanging out at the Leaky Cauldron. This is probably the only time in his life that he just gets to kind of hang out and be a regular wizard, uh, not have to deal with school and not have to deal with life-threatening danger. <laughs> How do you think he feels about that? He feels actually kind of laid down and calm for once. Yeah, and, and honestly, this is the only time he's felt this so far. It's probably the only time he's going to feel it again. Uh, maybe for the rest of the series, the only time that he's got two weeks off where nothing bad's happening to him. Um, so anyway, he uh, you know he he reads the wizard news. He uh, checks out Diagon Alley. He goes to the ice cream parlor. Remember what it's called? Uh. Florine Fortescue's ice cream parlor. Florida, huh? Yeah, Florine Fortescue, uh, where he goes to the ice cream parlor and. Uh, He's gone to uh, Gringotts and gotten some money. Make sure that he's got plenty of money for the uh, you know coming year. And uh, he's, he's just sort of hanging out, checking out uh, new Firebolt brooms and whatnot, right? Yeah. Um, he's still got his Nimbus 2000 at this point, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. But the Firebolt is even better, right? Yeah, um, it... it um... It's like, it's the fastest broom in the world so far, and it never, like, goes crazy. Yeah, and it's supposed to be able to go, like, 150 miles an hour, too, which, you know, you're not even allowed to drive that fast. So I can't imagine uh, that not being an insane experience, being on a stick of wood going 150 miles an hour, right? <laughs> Seems insane. So anyway, Harry uh, goes and gets some new school supplies. Um, he, he does notice at this point that the monster book of monsters are kept in cages. And maybe he kind of wishes that his had been kept in a cage. <laughs> and uh, he, he mentions that uh, the, the store manager complains that a uh, hundred copies of the invisible book of invisibility cost a fortune and he never found them. <laughs> so they're invisible books. So the monster book of monsters is a monster. The Invisible Book of Invisibility is, is invisible. invisible. How can you read it? Maybe a, a cookbook about making cakes is actually a cake. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but again, still, he's just kind of hanging out, and he's, he's doing his shopping on his own. He gets his new uh, Intermediate Transfiguration book, his standard book of spells, grade three, and he heads back to the Leaky Cauldron. And uh, one of the last days of his holiday, Ron and Hermione shows up, Ron's got something new. What does Ron have? He has... Something got broken, and so he's got a new one. He got a new wand. Correct. His old wand was smashed up, unusable, taped up, didn't really work, backfiring. So he's got a new wand. That must have been magical tape. It was spell-a-tape, remember? Right. Yeah, it was magical tape. And, uh... So anyway, so he's got a new wand, um, 14 inches, willow, containing a unicorn tail hair. I wonder if it's a brand new wand or if they had to buy it used. Something to think about. There, there can be used wands? 
I would assume, um, you know, a wizard eventually dies and then their wand maybe gets passed down to family because Ron's old wand looked like, you know, kind of garbagey. It was old, beat up. Well, I thought that the person who, well, you know, the wand picks the person, so wouldn't it be kind of, uh, wouldn't it be kind of hard to use the wand if it picked that one. I don't know. Uh, maybe if the wizard is gone, if they're dead, then maybe the the wand can choose a new person. All I know is that it seemed as though he had a hand-me-down wand, perhaps from an older family member, because it was all rough and beat up. Something like that. Maybe it was just cheap. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so they want to go to the uh, magical pet store, basically. Yeah. Ron's got a reason to go there. What's Ron's reason? He's going to get rat tonic for Scabbers. Tell me about Scabbers. What is Scabbers? What's wrong with him? Scabbers is a rat, and I think he's getting a bunch of bald spots. His hair's kind of falling out. Something's wrong with his ear. What's wrong with his ear? I don't know. He's got a cut in one of his ears. He's missing a piece of ear. He's also missing... A toe. Missing a toe. So Scabbers is already old. He's actually quite a bit older than a rat's supposed to be, right? Yeah, he's like 30-something years old. He's like 13 years old, yeah. Oh. He's about as old as Harry. How long do rats live? About five or four years. About three years, actually. Oh. So, uh, so he's definitely past his prime. And we've got some experience with rats, right? Yeah. How come? Because we own two. We got two rats, and neither of them are magical, unfortunately. <laughs> But that they, would have been awesome. But they do have all their fingers and toes. Yes. So I guess they can be your familiars and, in this case. And they're not bald and they do not have any cuts. Yeah. We'll, we'll fix that. We'll, but, but we do. We'll, yeah, we'll fix that so they can be more magical, I guess. Uh, we'll uh, cut off their ears and cut off their toes and uh, then they can be scabbers. <laughs> scabbers one and two. Well, isn't scabbers, um, isn't scabbers brown? Oh, okay, never mind. My plan doesn't work then. Oh, let's get some um, spray paint and then spray them brown. Good idea. So what does Hermione want to do with her last ten galleons? She wants to buy an owl. But instead... She gets a cat. And what does, what does this cat do to Scabbers? It, chase, it chases him everywhere. Yeah, that's, I think that's maybe why she picks it. Uh, and that's Crookshanks. Her, so, so she's got a cat. Ron's got a nearly dead rat. <laughs> Um, and, and Harry's got his owl, Hegwood. <laughs> Hedwig. Hi, Hedwig. So they hand, they, uh, head back to the Leaky Cauldron. Mr. Weasley's there. He's reading the Daily Prophet. And, uh, Harry overhears a conversation between Mr. and Mrs. Weasley about him. They're talking about Sirius Black and what he's after. What does he hear them say? He hears that... Um, Sirius Black is after Harry, and that, and, um, I think, um, Mr. Weasley, Arthur, I think he wants to tell Harry, because he has a right to know, he says, and I think Mrs. Weasley, Molly, she, um, she doesn't want to tell Harry, because she thinks it will scare him to death. Like, and... Uh, she, they also mention that uh, if he can get to Hogwarts, he'll be safe because Dumbledore's there. 
But also at the same time, Dumbledore has made a very um, unpopular decision. What has he decided? I... About security at Hogwarts. I don't think he decided this. Well, he's allowing it. Um, even though he doesn't like them, he lets the Dementors secure Hogwarts. We don't know what they are yet. We've heard that they're guards of Azkaban. They're nasty. They're sort of ghosty. Don't really know what they're all about just yet. Uh, Chapter 5, the Dementor. So I guess we're going to learn about these guys. Uh, It's their last day of this little two-week semi-vacation for Harry. And uh, they're about to head to King's Cross to get on the Hogwarts. Hogwarts. We're saying everything wrong. Hogsworth Express. <laughs> platform nine and three quarters. Uh, befo- platform Gine and Grigor. Okay. <laughs> so before leaving, Mr. Weasley wants to tell Harry something. Um, but Harry's like, nope, I already know about Sirius Black. Uh, you know, I overheard you or whatever. But Mr. Weasley wants Harry to make a promise. What is the promise? Do you remember? Nope. He wants Harry to promise that he will not go looking for Black. And Harry says something like, why would I go looking for someone who wants to kill me? Right. He doesn't he doesn't explain why Harry might have a, uh, you know, a desire to go capture Black himself at this point. Yeah, he just wants to make sure he really doesn't go looking. So they hop on the train and they they get in their cart, uh, their carriage or whatever, and they see somebody else in there, uh, but he's asleep. What do they see? They they see a grown man, um, who looks like a professor. Mm-hmm. How's he dressed? He's dressed in patched up old robes, and he looks kind of um how. Looks kind of like a bum, right? Yeah. But uh, Hermione notices his name on his luggage. What does it say? Professor R.J. Lupin. Interesting that he was not previously a professor, so why has he already monogrammed his uh, luggage to say professor? But that is something that is never answered. And, uh, you know, Crook Shanks. Crooks Hank. <laughs> Crook Shanks is chasing Scabbers around. Um, Scabbers probably losing his cool. The giant cat keeps trying to kill him. Crooksmanks. Crooksmanks. <laughs> and uh, they get a visit from Draco, Crab, and Goyle, everybody's favorite trio of morons. <laughs> and uh, then the uh, out of nowhere, the train stops and the lights go out. I think it's like on the middle of a bridge or something. Yeah, they're they're out in the middle of they're halfway there. They're not they're not at Hogwarts yet. Uh, so Lupin wakes up. And he's kind of lit up the room with some flames that he's conjured. And he wants to go check out what happens. Who enters the train compartment at this point? The Dementors. How does that make, uh, first of all, what does that do to the sort of atmosphere of the train? Makes it super cold. Yeah, everybody's freezing. Um, They hear sort of moaning and screaming. What happens to Harry? He, um, he faints. Yeah, he passes out. When he comes to, what happens? When who comes to? When Harry wakes up. Oh. Um. He, 
um, his friends are are saying things like, um, you passed out and you were th- and you were and it seemed like you were um, throwing fit. And what do they give him to make him feel better? Actually, what does Lupin do to make him feel better? He gives him chocolate. So when a Dementor attacks you or, or when you, I mean, he's, I don't even know if he was really attacked, but he certainly had a strong reaction to the presence of the Dementors and they suck all the happiness out of you. You feel like you're never going to be happy again. Yeah, there's no chance you'll ever be happy. Um, it's, it's a feeling of dread, basically. And uh, I like the idea that the main thing to make you better after that is chocolate. That's a pretty good, it's a pretty good... Um, Maybe it helps. Piece of the story. Maybe it helps because it's magical chocolate. No, I think it's just chocolate. I think I think what they're getting at here is that uh, chocolate ba- makes you feel better. It does. It just it makes your brain happier. So it's like, oh, cool! I have um, some chocolate in my mouth. I love that though. <laughs> yeah. So so maybe it gives you just enough hope that you might be happy again someday to but return to the world of the living. That wouldn't help for some of my friends because they don't really like chocolate. Well, I don't know if they're really good friends then. You might need to find some new friends that like chocolate. Seriously. (laughs) So anyway, the train keeps going and they get to Hogwarts. They're greeted by Hagrid. They see there are more Dementors guarding Hogwarts now. This seems like bad news, right? Yeah. Do they see the Dementors right when they... Get up. I think they're sort of floating around the perimeter of Hogwarts, kind of like making a circle around it or something. I don't so, that. well, they they know they're there, and uh, they get called by uh, the friends Her- Hermione, Ron, and Harry get called by McGonagall to come to her office, and uh, because McGonagall heard that you know from Lupin that Harry had passed out, so she wants him to go see Madame Pomfrey. Yeah, and then they want to have a. Uh, McGonagall and, and Hermione want to have a, a secret conversation, right? Yeah. But we don't know what that's about yet. So when they finally show up, uh, the sorting hat ceremony is over, which I think is kind of a bummer. You'd want to see that, right? That's um. Yeah, I'd, I'd want to see that every year, even if I wasn't magical. You want to know? Uh, you want to know who's going to be in your house? Who your new people are? Yeah. Because yeah, otherwise you got to wait till they're in your common room, I guess, or in your dorms and whatnot. So Dumbledore. Talks to the students about the Dementors. What does he tell them about the new security? That they're going to be roaming the school and um, that um, just don't freak out if you see them around. And also nobody leaves the school without permission. Right. At this point, does he... Do they tell all the students about Sirius Black? I can't remember. Maybe they just assume everybody already knows. Yeah, I don't think they tell him. Anyway, he tells them that they've got a new defense against the dark arts teacher. Teacher, who's that? Pleacher. Pleacher. <laughs> this is a bad day for pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. Professor Large. Come on, Lupin. come on. <laughs> Professor R.J. Lupin. Yeah. So the guy that saved Harry with the chocolate on the train is also uh, their new defense against the dark arts teacher. Once again, passing over who? Snape. Snape still doesn't get the job. He's still potion. We also had another shakeup in the uh, faculty. The uh, care of magical creatures professor is, is gone. That... Wait, what? So who's taking over that? 
Hagrid, but who was the care of magical tree creatures? <laughs> Um, teacher before. It was Professor Kettleburn, but that's not somebody that we've ever met before. So it was just a name. So that guy retired. Hagrid's taking over. Again, I would assume, even though it's never specifically stated that at this point Hagrid is allowed to use magic, how can you teach at a magical school and not use magic? Well... We never see Hagrid with a proper wand, and we never actually see him do any spells. He doesn't in in the third book. He doesn't ever. Hagrid never does any magic in front of the audience, the, the viewers of this book. Except except for in the first book when he uses it to give to make a fire out of, from his umbrella right. and And that's when you know he's not supposed to because he's hidden his wand in an umbrella. Right. And he used it to give Dudley a pigtail. Yeah, it bothered me throughout the entire series. It bothers me today. I want someone to just come out and say, Hagrid, we're so sorry. We ruined your life. We accused you, you of things you didn't do. You can use magic. You can use magic. You can turn me into a newt. <laughs> I'm sorry. You I, know? I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know why Hagrid can't use magic in the first place. Because he was, because they thought he was the, uh, the one who opened the Chamber of Secrets. That was his punishment. In the, f- in the oh, second book. Oh, it's been like that since... Yeah, but Hagrid's later. like 60 or 70, right? Yeah, he really doesn't look that so, old. So, well, it's because he's part giant. Well, so, yeah. But uh, that means for like 50-ish years... Yeah, it has been 50 years, because that's how long ago Voldemort was in school. Yeah. So for 50 years, he hasn't used magic. And this is this is my, my final theory on Hagrid's magic-using status, is that he's gone so long either hiding magic or not using it in public or not using it at all that he just has gotten used to it. He's like, uh, okay, I know I can't use magic, but I'm... Sometimes I've got to do it anyway. Well, no, now he's like, I know I can use magic, but I'm used to not doing it. Oh. So I, I, I get the impression that he uses magical items. He has enchanted motorcycle. He has enchanted things in his house. He certainly deals with magical creatures. He's enchanted stuff in his house. Oh, he's got to. Come on. I mean, I don't know. Probably. So, uh, Come on. His cabin is one room. Nah, it's full of weird crap. So, oh, God. So he... uh. So he, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I think he's used to it. I think he's, he's become accustomed to not being allowed to openly use magic. But anyway, it's cool that he's a teacher now. He's not just a groundskeeper, so that's nice. Um, I would assume his job involved. See, I don't even see how you keep the grounds of a magical school without using magic. Is he mowing the grass by hand? <laughs> I don't understand. Anyway. I didn't even know what a ground... Groundskeeper did. Mow the grass, take out the trash, uh, trim the hedges. Seems like a pretty tiring job. Paint the barn, you know, make make sure things look... It, basically, he's in charge of making sure things are always nice looking and presentable. What if he had to paint the... What if he had to paint every single inch of Hogwarts? I don't think it's painted. I think it's stone, so I don't think okay. you'd have to worry about that. You could paint the stone. It would look nasty. I think it looks better the way it is. So, anywho... Uh, so after dinner, they go to Gryffindor Tower. They head uh, through the portrait of the fat lady with their new password, Fortuna Major. Again, reminding us that the fat lady is the uh, barrier between the outside world and the uh, Gryffindor common room and Gryffindor Tower, right? Yes. So chapter six, 
talons and leaves. So first day of school of the new year, uh, Draco has heard about Harry's fainting spell on the uh, spell. Spell means episode, like the thing that happened. So oh. his his fainting on the train. Okay. Obviously, he's using this as an opportunity to make fun of Harry, right? Humiliate him. As as he is wont to do. So uh, Ron is taking a look at Hermione's schedule, and what does he notice about her schedule? He noticed that a bunch of her classes are at the same time, like three three or four at nine o'clock, about um, maybe two or at ten. Or but she's got an explanation for this. What's her explanation? She says she and McGonagall worked it out. Yeah. Not to worry about it. But so, that's not really an answer. No, not at all. There's no, that's not actual information. So uh, they have a new class to go to they haven't gone to before. Divination with Professor Who. Trelawney. Yeah, Sybil Trelawney. Uh, Her name is Sybil? Yeah, so give me a brief description of Professor Trelawney. What's she look like? How does she act? She's this um, nutty, um, <laughs> she's this nutty lady, um, and she acts like some, well, not strict, and she doesn't act like the students should learn it right away. Uh, learn what? what? What is divination? What's the point of her class? Divination is telling the future, sort of. Because of Professor Trelawney's particular eccentricities, do you think anyone thinks she can really tell the future? Not really. Do you think anyone thinks that telling the future is even a real thing at this mm, point? No. So that's interesting to me, um, because if someone in our world, in the real world, says, I can tell the future, immediately, I think they're full of it, right? Yeah. Can't tell the future. So it's interesting that even in a world where there is magic and... Uh, fantastical things or everyday life that they still don't hold a lot of value in the idea of telling the future. They they all kind of seem to think she's bonkers, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, I, I found that interesting. She she makes a few grim prophecies. She tells Lavender Brown, the thing that you are dreading will happen on Friday. <laughs> She tells the exact date, I think. Yeah, she says, oh yeah, the 16th of October. And then she tells them she can read tea leaves and she can uh, read flames and she can do all kinds of stuff. So she has everybody read some tea leaves. They make how, tea. What mi- What is interesting to me is how the tea leaves actually form pictures. Well... It's not that they actually form pictures. It's that they form shapes that, that you can then mean in, something. It's that you can then interpret to, to kind of mean whatever you want. So again, this is not something that is they're saying is an exact wizard science. It's open to interpretation. Uh, but as she's going around the class and Harry reads his tea leaves, what does she see in Harry's cup? Actually, um. Two people sit at a table and they switch cups. What does she see in Harry's cup? She, um, Ron thinks it, it, it look, he's looking at it upside down and really it could be either way. It, to him, it looks like 
He's going to be suffering, but he's going to be happy about it. What does Professor Trelawney see in Harry's cup? Once she turns it over, she sees the Grim. And what is the Grim, according to her? It's... Uh... It's, it, a, it's a death omen. That's right. So if you get the Grim, which looks like what? The giant black dog. The big black dog, that it could mean that you are going to die. Uh, That's so, what I called a death omen. Yeah, so everybody is upset about this. They don't, uh, they don't like Harry's death prediction. They don't like what's happened in the class. Everyone's very unsettled. So when they go to Transfiguration with Professor McGonagall, uh, they're all noticeably upset, and she asks them what's going on. What does she tell them about Professor Trelawney? She's a nutso. <laughs> she tells them that Trelawney predicts a student's death every single year, and so far no student has died. Yay! Though what we know about Harry and the amount of danger he is in, uh, the idea that he might be the first doesn't seem that far off, you know? <laughs> um, she tells, McGonagall tells the student about Animagi, uh, or Animaguses, so what is that? I have no idea. Yes, you do. An Animagus is someone who, a wizard who can turn into... An animal. An animal. That's right. Now, they seem to be drawing a line here that it's not the same as just transfiguration. That it's like a, a special power, maybe? That not every wizard can do? Uh, McGonagall can transfigurate. Yeah, and she went to an animal. So she's an animagus. She turns into a cat, right? Mm-hmm. And she shows them right then. But I guess what they're saying is transfiguring one thing into something else, like a teacup into a rat, <laughs> or a rat into a teacup, is different than turning your whole body into an animal. They make it sound like it's a special power uh, that, that not everyone can do, you know? And, uh... Ron is is upset about the Grim. He's asking Harry if he did see the black dog that he saw, that he thinks he saw when he, before he got the night bus, right? Yeah. So now there's like multiple pieces of information here that uh, seem to suggest a, a dark omen for Harry, which is, you know, no good. Uh, they head on to Care of Magical Creatures, first class with Professor Hagrid. He's a little bit nervous, right? Yeah. What's he tell Harry? He tells him... He's like, I want to do a good job, Harry. Like, you know, I'm kind of nervous about this, so... <laughs> so, uh... He brings out his first magical creature, and what is it? It is a hippogriff. A hippogriff, which it turns out uh, was not invented by the author of this book. It was an actual mythical creature that people mm. used to believe was real, Obviously, they never were real. And no, it's not a hippo. <laughs> but what does a hippogriff look like? It is, I think, like half tiger, half bald eagle, something um, like that. Kind, yeah, it seems like it has got the body of sort of a mixture of a horse and a cat, maybe a lion. Because um, you can ride it like a horse, but it's got Defin more of a cat body, like a tiger or a lion. Definitely a bird head. And then a bird head, like an eagle head and eagle wings. And then eagle talons for its front feet, right? Yeah. So what are the rules about addressing a hippogriff? Stand at least um, 
um, one or two yards away from it and you bow down to it. Wait a few seconds and if it doesn't bow down to you, back away slowly. But if it Because what does that mean? If it doesn't bow... That means it doesn't trust you. Doesn't like you, yeah. So back away slowly if it if it doesn't bow down to you, but if it bows down, but if it bows back, then you can go up to it and pet it. Right, and so he asks for volunteers. Harry wants to see Hagrid's first class go well because he knows he's a little nervous. Uh-huh. So what does Harry do? He volunteers. And how does that work out for him? At first, he bows down. He waits a few seconds. The hippogriff doesn't bow back. So Hagrid tells him to back away slowly. But then everyone sees sees the hippogriff move down, and it bows back to Harry. And Hagrid is very proud of him because first that was his first try. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he says you can pet him. And then he... Um, he likes that, so Hagrid suggests Harry ride him. Yeah, that seems like a lot for the first day, right? Yeah, especially if you have no security whatsoever. So what happens? So Hagrid helps Harry get on the hippogriff, and he tells him, don't hold on to the feathers. He, um, he doesn't like to have his feathers pulled, so hang on to the fur and stuff. Sure. And he takes off, right? Yeah, he just takes off. Um, he goes right above everyone's head. And he flies around and goes nuts. Yeah. So suddenly, he goes out of the forest, uh-huh. and then over the sea about at least 30 yards. And then he, um, he soars down head first and he turns upside down to let Harry feel the water and then he flies back up and Harry starts to realize this is awesome I love it and then he's he flies around on the hippogriff for a few more for like a minute or two more and then the hippogriff lands yeah so they uh it seems pretty obvious it couldn't have gone better you know this is they, they they even seem like maybe not just they trust each other, but maybe they're friends now, right? Yeah. So, uh, obviously, this is a good time for Neville, not Neville, uh, Draco, to start showing off. What does he do? Mm. He busts to the front of the line. He's like, I can do this. If, Harry, if Potter can do it, I can do it, you know? Yes. So he bows down. Wait. No, I don't think he bows. He doesn't bow. He, he doesn't do anything he's supposed to. He just walks right up. And then um, Hagrid's like, no, Malfoy, don't do that. And and then the hippogriff jumps up and goes crazy. Like, kicks him. And he kicks him, and he gives, and he gives him um, a broken arm. Yeah. It, does he break it? I know he scratches it up pretty bad, but it's, yeah, it's, it's injured like, pretty bad. It's a giant... It's like a giant scratch. But it's his own fault. Yeah. But that's not how everyone else is going to see it, right? Yeah. So it turns out Hagrid uh, immediately gets in trouble because they say you shouldn't have started with such a big, fierce animal. You should have started with something smaller, right? Yeah. Um, so, and you know, and, and, and Draco's saying stuff like, wait till my father hears about this. 
So Hagrid thinks he's going to be fired. Bad stuff is on the horizon, basically, right? Yeah, he thinks he's going to be um, sacked and um, put in Azkaban, something like that. Yeah, and he's... And it was his first day, so he's already nervous, and now it seemed like things were going perfect, now they've gone pretty bad. Uh, chapter 7, The Boggart in the war- Wardrobe. Do you know what a wardrobe is? I think it's a fancy suit. No, it's, uh, well, no, okay. So ward- the word wardrobe has multiple meanings. In this case, it means a closet that is not built into a wall. It's like a uh, big piece of furniture, you open the doors, your clothes are hanging in it. There might be some drawers at the bottom. It's also called an armoire. That's 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 sort of like what my friend Jasmine has mm-hmm. for her American Girl's clothes. Okay, so same thing, but much larger, probably older, and you know, dark wood, that sort of thing. Uh, and then if you say my wardrobe, that can also mean all of your clothing that you have available to you. So like, I don't have any bright colors in my wardrobe. You could, you know, so whatever. So. Uh, Malfoy doesn't go to class, uh, until the next potions class with Professor Snape. So he's been in the medical wing. Um, he's got people feeling sorry for him. What does he do to get people to feel sorry for him? He talks about how the hippogriff basically attacked him. But he's also like, I can't use my arm. It's broken. It hurts. And, and then this other girl in Slytherin, she's like, Oh, Draco, are you okay? You're so brave. Yeah. So Snape orders Ron to do all of uh, Malfoy's work for him, basically. It's kind of a coincidence. It's kind of a weird coincidence that he gets out of the wing on on the potions class, which he loves. I'm not even sure if he likes potions or anything about school, really. It's just that well, he likes Snape. He likes or Snape, Snape likes him. Something like that. Honestly, I don't think Draco even likes Snape. Oh. I, I think that Snape likes Draco. I thought he might like him because he gives Slytherin a bunch of compliments. It's hard to say. There, It's a good question. I don't think there is any point in this book where Draco actually shows respect or reverence for any other person. Than himself. At all. Um, later he, we see more, uh, honestly, I think at this point he respects his father because he knows his father is mean and powerful and he's always talking about his father. Wait till my father hears about this. Um, I, I think he probably has, and he is part of the ministry. He has affection for his mother, but I don't know if we ever have enough evidence to know that he respects her. I don't think he ever shows any admiration for any of his teachers. He certainly hates Dumbledore. Of course. I think he he is okay with Snape in that he is a fellow Slytherin and that he uh, seems like he is a darker dude and uh, maybe n- that he probably enjoys the fact that Snape seems to hate Potter. I don't think he ever shows that he admires Snape. It, it, it's weird. I, I sort of am just now realizing this, that from book one to book seven, he never actually is kind or respectful to anyone, even other bad people. So his badness is to the core. It doesn't matter who he's dealing with, I suppose. He doesn't even show respect for Crab and Goyle. No, he treats them like puppets, and, and uh, he, he thinks they're dumb, 
but he 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 doesn't like people for who they are. He likes them for what they can do for him. So he likes the crab and Goyle do his errands for him and intimidate yeah. people for him. So so anyway, and I guess they're okay with that. Maybe uh, not really forced them. There's no, they're sucking up to him. They see that he's popular and powerful, and that they they're not. So they that's a way for them to feel the same way. Mm. Um, they're all. It's a very you know uh, unhealthy relationship for all of them. Um, Harry even has to help Draco, according to Snape. He's got to skin a shrivel fig because they're making a shrinking potion. Yes, so the question for me is how do Harry and Ron do their work? I would imagine Snape is more concerned about them doing Draco's work, you know? So why is Draco in the class if he can't do anything? Well, it turns out he could do things. He just doesn't want to. He wants people to feel sorry for him. His arm's not hurt that bad. So basically, he's lying to Snape? He's just lying to lie. Whatever suits him, you know? So Seamus Finnegan has heard a rumor that Sirius Black has been spotted not far from Hogwarts, according to the Daily Prophet. And uh, Draco starts laying into Harry about this, saying, If I was in your position, Potter, I would go after him myself. Which he's not allowed to do. But... Harry doesn't know what he means. He doesn't know what he means by your position. At this point, no one has told Harry how uh, Sirius Black's supposed crimes might relate to him specifically. He knows that for some reason, and this is again, this is one of those those times where Harry isn't very inquisitive. People are saying things like, you know, Black's after you because of... Something. Something. And he never <laughs> says... Uh, what, why, <laughs> like, why is he after me? What about the past would make him, uh, want to have anything to do with me? Hate you me, know? something like that. Yeah. So, you know, the information has to be revealed in a, in a timely fashion, but at the same time, Harry, he just doesn't get that. He's just not super curious about the most insane things going on in his life. Uh, so he doesn't understand why Draco is, bad-mouthing him for, you know, not as if Draco would go get a wand and chase after a murderer, right? Yeah, I bet he's just saying that to just make everyone think he's super tough. Yeah, so they leave class. Hermione, Harry, and Ron are all right there. Then poof, Hermione's gone. Somehow. They're they're walking in the hall talking to each other, and, and I think Harry or Ron is like, wait, where's Hermione? Yeah, she's gone. She just disappeared. So this seems like maybe it's happening more and more throughout the year, and they don't know what the deal is uh, with her. Suddenly they're in the hall. Um, right, one second they're in the hall. Um, what? Um, one minute they're in the hall. Um, then the next minute she's gone. Mm -hmm. Just poof. So then they head off to Defense Against the Dark Arts. This is their first class with Professor Lupin. And he's a pretty good teacher. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're comparing him to their previous two teachers, even their previous teacher, uh, how, how do you think Lupin compares to Lockhart? 100%. 100% what? 100% awesome. <laughs> Better than Lockhart? What are Lockhart's main, main characteristics? Uh, he wants to basically just 
be the center of everyone's attention all the time, every day. So we know he talks a big game, but can he back up that game with his magic? What? He talks a lot about how great he is, but is he really great with magic? Yeah, he he doesn't ever show any greatness in magic. He just writes about it. Right. So he he's might... he's all sh- he's all he's all talk and no show. That is almost the exact opposite of Lupin. Of Lupin because he does not wear yeah. fancy clothes or talk about himself like he's great. He he's basically just happy with who he is. He doesn't want to always be the center mm. of attention. I I would go I would not go as far as to say that Lupin is happy. I don't think Lupin is a happy person, which we'll find out later because he has some very uh difficult personal problems. But really? I think he doesn't have hmm. Well, you know what happens to Lupin. So I I I don't think he has a happy life. I think he is uh he's just not driven to brag and you know, be boastful about things he didn't do and whatever. But he is a good wizard. So, yeah, he's he's certainly a better teacher. And we see right away in his teaching style that he is concerned about the well-being of the students, right? Yeah. And like, the, unlike the last, um, the past two teachers, he actually brings the the things they're supposed to def- um, be defending against... Yeah, so the first thing he brings, uh, there's this wardrobe uh, closed up, and he says there's a boggart inside. What is a boggart? It's a creature that can turn into your worst fear. Yeah, they're, they hide in dark places, and they want to turn into, they want to shapeshift into the thing you fear the most. What repels them? What makes them go away? You think of um, something funny um, and um, you st- you think of that thing and point it at the um, the thing that the pointed at the bargert in the shape it is mm-hmm. and say ridiculous. Ridiculous. And then you also have to do one other thing that's very important. What is that? Uh, you have to laugh. You do? Yes, they're repelled by laughter and a ridiculous charm. I thought they were only repelled by ridiculous. Both. You gotta do both. I didn't know so that. So Neville is the first one. And uh, what does the Boggart turn into for Neville? Professor Snape. Ooh, it's the thing he's scared of the most. <laughs> it's kind of silly. Yeah. Mr. Longbottom. <laughs> he, he doesn't, you know, they don't get along too well. So uh, what does Neville's ridiculous charm do to this image of Professor Snape? It, um... It's still Snape, but he's but he's in his, um, Neville's grandmother's clothes. So Neville thinks he looks silly. He's able to laugh at him, and the boggart poofs away. Right. Next thing he uh, next time he uh, goes to Pavardi Patel, turns into a banshee. Then for Seamus Finnegan, he turns into a rat. He's scared of rats. So obviously he's scared of rats, and uh, maybe he doesn't like Ron's pet rat. I don't think we we hear much about that, but uh, and then for other students, he turns into a rattlesnake, a bloody eyeball, a severed Ooh. hand, a mummy. For Dean Thomas, he turns into a giant. Oh no, sorry, severed hand for Dean Thomas, but for Ron, he turns into a giant spider. Ron does not like spiders at all. Ever. Ron does not like 
especially, uh, which I guess we don't know yet. Uh, no, was that in the, was that in book two or book four where they end up in the woods with two? That was book two. Yeah. Oh yeah, because the Whomping Willow beat up the car and the wand. Yeah. So he doesn't like acromantulas. He doesn't like giant spiders. Especially. He doesn't like regular spiders, right? Yeah, I and I know why. Why? Because, um. When he was little, Fred and George played a trick on him by um, turning his teddy bear into a giant spider. I don't even remember. That's a horrible trick. So, yeah, he's got a lifelong fear. He And there were plenty of spiders in book two because they were always running away from the yeah. monster. So, anyway, uh, how, does, uh, how does Ron's ridiculous charm affect the giant spider image? Um, it, um, it makes the spider wear roller skates. With eight legs, with eight different roller skates, it's all whoop, 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 falling around, slipping, sliding. <laughs> yeah, hits the ground. So I still think Ron probably didn't think it was too funny, but it did defeat the spider, right? Well, he must have thought of skates because that was something funny he thought of. So here comes Harry. It's his turn. Lupin is afraid that he's going to think of Voldemort. And maybe that would be too much for him. We don't know that yet, but that he does step in front of Harry, and he does his own ridiculous. But right before he does, the Boggart turns into something odd. What does it turn into? It turns into a Dementor. He was thinking about Voldemort, but then he thought that Dementors were more scary. At, at this point in his life, and again, he probably can't even imagine... What the what, Vol- what, what, what what Voldemort looks like. He's only seen a face coming out of the back of Professor Quirrell's head. <laughs> He's never seen a picture of Voldemort. He's seen young Tom Riddle in a diary memory, but he hasn't seen Voldemort. He doesn't really know what he looks like. And at this exact moment, he is more scared of Dementors, right? Yep. For all intents and purposes, the Boggart becomes a Dementor, and Harry starts to... Pass out again, right? Yeah. Lupin steps in the way. And he turns and he makes it a full moon. Well, we don't know that yet either. It turns into a silvery white orb, which no one can quite identify. No, in... Oh, that might be in the book, but I'm thinking of the movie. Yeah, you don't don't know when... The the movie skips the reveal there. It it skips ahead too far. He turns into a silvery white orb, which I believe he turns into a balloon or something and it floats away. Yeah, he turns into a a balloon. Baboon. (laughs) He turns into a baboon. (laughs) He sees his big pink and blue butt and they all (laughs) laugh and go away. So, uh, and then it's Neville's turn again. It turns into Snape and Neville finishes it off. Wait, Neville does it again? Yep. I don't remember that. Yeah, he finishes off the Boggart and uh, so Harry and Hermione never actually got a turn to see it. I think in the next chapter, Ron speculates as to what Hermione would have seen. Probably some homework where she didn't get a perfect score. Like an F on her homework or something? No, like a 99 on her homework instead of 100. Because oh, that's seriously? her. Yeah, she wants to get everything right perfectly. 99? Oh my god. So that concludes this episode. And Well, an F probably would have traumatized herself. I think she, yeah, I think she would have lost her mind. Uh, When we come back, we're going to start with Chapter 8, Flight of the Fat Lady. Of course, she is the uh, portrait that guards the Gryffindor common room. Weren't we going to... We'll do that next time. And uh, I do want to mention, thank you to the band Harry and the Potters for letting us use their song, 
This book is so awesome as our theme song, Google Harry and the Potter's Bandcamp to find a place to get all of their music. If you do enjoy this podcast, I strongly suggest you check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash hijinksensue. Sign up for one, two, three, four, five, whatever dollars a month to support the podcast and help us to keep it free and continuing for everyone until we have finished the entire series. If you have a question or comment, uh, feel free to comment on the show notes at podcast.hijinksensue.com or send us an email at podcast. Wait, I said that wrong. That was an email address. <laughs> if you want to comment, it's podcast.hijinksensue.com for an email, podcast at hijinksensue.com. And uh, is that it? I think that's it. For Potter and Daughter, my name is Joel Watson. And I'm Lily Watson. I'd say good episode? Great episode! Okay, awesome. This book is so awesome!